0: Hello, my name is Richard Blosser, host of the Grit and Barrett podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the Hershey Bears, the 11-time Carter Cup champions of the American Hockey League, and the 2018 Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Each Tuesday, I recap Bears games, give you Bears news, notes, and nuggets, and all of the hockey news that matters to me, whether it's the American Hockey League, the NHL, or banter about hockey jerseys. This hack brings you high energy. They score! Connor McMichael has ended the game! Unfiltered. Look, Herko's really going to have to work hard to bring back the fan base from this pandemic because you can't just rely on vaccinations. You have a fan base that is old, stubborn, and very reluctant to change. Not to mention you got to work on bringing back families and then whatever fan base you can try and get back from other parts of the state. You just can't rely on people coming out from 81 and 78. You gotta work on a fan base that's very, very hesitant to change. And at times, unfocused. Look, Ovechkin is basically the guy who comes into the bar, kicks open the door and says, Who ordered a white Russian, huh? Well we all know Sidney Crosby is the guy who enters in from the side door, red carpet, vip armani suits and alligator shoes that's just the type of guys they are so join me every tuesday here on the hockey podcast network for the grit and barrett podcast follow me on twitter at grit and barrett p1 that's grit g-r-i-t and b-e-a-r it p1 on twitter available wherever you get all your podcasts part of the hockey podcast network
1: Time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over under on that game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over under will drop by one point. Every bettor who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the games over-under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting. So tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. restricting supply. Maximum $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends May 23rd, 2021. See slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or in Indiana 1 800 9 with IT. Welcome
0: to New York.
1: In, Devils fans, it is your host, the lovely Neil Filippiano, and a welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast, right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place by far to get the most up-to-date news, topics, discussions, and much more about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day, a great day, whatever way you want to describe it. That you're listening on the day that you're listening to this podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to this podcast. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Today, ladies and gentlemen, is basically the first episode of the off-season. This isn't the first episode of season three of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. That'll be coming up in a couple months from now. Uh, but this is the first off-season edition. Of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. I'm recording this on May 16th of 2021. You guys at the earliest will be listening to this episode the next day, May 17th, 2021. And it's been a little less than a week since the Devils played their last game, in which they lost four to two to the Philadelphia Flyers. Today, what I was I decided I was going to do is do my first ever. Team awards. So basically, I just came up with a list of different awards to give out, and I decided to, you know, obviously nominate or not nominate, but um, you know, give an award to a handful of players. Now, whether you agree or disagree with what I have to say, I mean, you are entitled to your opinion. But we have a couple awards here. We got team MVP, most improved player, rookie of the year, most surprisingly player. Forward of the year, defenseman of the year, and my personal favorite, backup goalie of the year. So we're gonna start with that. And then the second half of this episode, since obviously these Stanley Cup playoffs are you know two days into it now, I decided that I was going to give my Stanley Cup playoff predictions. And throughout the playoffs as well, I will mention here and there if a former devil. Uh, does something worth noting Um, and there certainly is something to mention in this episode that we will and you know it's going to be throughout the playoffs and we'll discuss here and there how the playoffs are going if there's anything really interesting to discuss but since you guys are here to listen about the New Jersey Devils that's basically what we're going to be talking about and it's going to be look it's going to be an interesting offseason we're just into it and The month that's really going to be intriguing is that month of July when we have the draft and free agency and expansion draft as well. And it's going to be really intriguing. Um, We're a couple of weeks away from the tentative date of the draft lottery, which is June 2nd. And I'll give you guys um, a little bit of notice, by the way, also with the draft lottery uh, that involves the Devils. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But as you can see, we have a bunch to get to here today. So let's not waste any more time. And as I always say, let's drop the puck. So like I said before, we're going to start with the double State of Mind podcast, first edition of the team awards. So I just came up with, you know, some typical ones, but also I just decided to get a little creative and give out my own personal awards and we'll go from there. And the awards will change and vary throughout season to season Um, this year. Uh, you know, I had to get a little bit creative with some of the things and, you know, I'll explain it why in a little bit greater detail once we get into it. But before I do that, I did want to mention one thing about the Devils and what it involves, the draft lottery. The Vancouver Canucks last night on May 15th uh, won their game, I believe. I think they played Edmonton. I'm not really sure off the top of my head, but they did win. And because they earned a point, the Devils are now officially going to be getting the fourth highest odds of obtaining the number one overall pick in the draft. So if the Devils were to somehow get the first overall pick again, um, I think that would solidify us as the Edmonton Oilers of the East, Um, but obviously it would be the third overall pick we've had in the last five years, which is pretty remarkable. But I mentioned to you guys before, I mean, I really don't care where we finish I believe the lowest that we can fall is either sixth or seventh. So, look, we're guaranteed a top 10 pick, um, and we have a pretty good shot of getting a top five pick, a decent shot to get a top three, and a little less decent shot, but still a good shot, nonetheless, of getting the number one overall pick. So it's going to be interesting uh, when we get to the lottery and just see what happens. And, uh, you know, that'll be kind of like the first major thing with regards to next year's team. Um, That we're going to be keeping our eye on. So let's, yeah. But again, the Devils will be going into the draft lottery with the fourth highest odds of any team, with Buffalo obviously having the highest. And remember, the Seattle Kraken um, will have automatically, I think, the third highest odds because they're an expansion team and yada, yada, yada. Um, And we'll see where they end up. I mean, if they ended up with the number one overall pick, I feel like that would be the only team that nobody would be like not necessarily complaining about, but nobody would have a negative opinion about it. It, it, Other than Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo got the first overall pick. Okay. Well, they were the worst team and that's what happened. Not like Detroit last year where they were arguably the worst team, not even arguably, they were hands down the worst team in the NHL and they dropped as far as they could drop, which they went from the best odds or number one to number four. And it ended up being a bubble team in the New York Rangers. Unfortunately, um, I don't honestly think it's going to happen this year where the Buffalo Sabres are going to get screwed. I think that they definitely will get the number one overall pick. Um, But if they don't, well, then that's just typical of the Buffalo Sabres luck. And it's also typical of how dumb this draft lottery is and how sometimes it can be rigged. And another thing I just want to say really quick is that if we do end up talking about the devils, if we do end up getting the number one overall pick, it's rigged. I mean, I'm just going to call it like it is. I mean, it's like, We get the third. We get the first overall pick for the third time in five years. Is it not obvious that the NHL is trying to help us out? Which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because a lot of us Devils fans, we've always been about you know that the NHL is against us. I mean, I have a personal vendetta with the NHL, but then again, so does every team in the NHL at one point or another. So it's not like we're the only ones. But you know, if we end up with the number one overall pick, it's it's just it shows you how ridiculous the draft lottery is and that it's it's unfair to the team. And, and, and I get it. You know, you don't want teams to basically tank, but it's not like the Sabres were trying to be bad. They just had a lot of things go wrong. You know, they got off to a slow start. Both Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel were just really off to a bad start. Jack Eichel ended up getting hurt and didn't play the rest of the year. Um, you know, they went through that 18-game losing streak where they really just... They had so many chances to win and they couldn't find a way to do it. They weren't trying to lose. The expectation this year was that they were not supposed to finish as bad as they were. Yeah. They were supposed to finish with us towards the bottom of the East division, but not in a situation where they're arguably the worst team in the NHL or not even arguably, they were clearly the worst team in the NHL by, by pretty substantial margin in my opinion. But you know, look, it is what it is, and we'll see what happens. And we'll talk about it, obviously, when that day comes, which will be in a couple of weeks. Like I said, the tentative date for the draft lottery at the moment is June 2nd, 2021. So we have a little less than a half a month until that point. So it'll be intriguing to see uh, when we get to that, whatever date that is, what happens in that draft lottery. But again, also, if the Seattle Kraken got the number one overall pick, good for that. I mean it's it's cool, like it's it's fine. Let him get the first overall pick and go from there. So that's just the way I look at it. But now let's shift to the first thing, like I mentioned before, that we were going to talk about, and that is the Devil's State of Mind podcast, first edition of the team awards. And so we're gonna start with probably the biggest award that anybody can get on the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and that is the team's most valuable player. Now, there were a handful of guys that I could point to and say they were clearly the most valuable throughout the year to me. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would probably agree from what they saw this year. To me, it's without a doubt, it's Jack Hughes. Um, You know, he had 11 goals, 20 assists for 31 points. One of only four devils to eclipse 30 or more points this season. And look, he went through some periods throughout the year where he was really struggling to not only score, he was struggling to get points because he would make some beautiful passes to his teammates and they just struggled to finish. And I think that that's something that Tom Fitzgerald has to look at during this offseason and try to improve for Jack Hughes, whether that's free agency, whether that's a trade, whether that's somebody in our system, we have to get support for guys like Hughes and Nico. Got you know because Nico is a little bit more on the passive side. He's much more of a guy that maybe shoots second and, and dishes off more. Jack Hughes is more of a scorer, in my opinion, but he can dish out some great passes. Um, it, it's it's wonderful to see it, and I, I just want to see this team be able to get some support for these guys, and, and hopefully they do. Um, when I heard Tom Fitzgerald talk at his press conference a couple of days ago, his end of the year press conference he seemed pretty confident that they were going to be pretty active in the market. I mean, they have to, as I mentioned numerous times already, they do have to spend at least $17 million or $18 million to get um, to the cap floor. So they do have to spend some money. Um, And I'm sure a Jack Hughes extension is probably going to be some of that money. I wouldn't be, I would be kind of surprised if we didn't see an extension for Jack Hughes relatively soon because he is going into the final year, of his entry-level deal, but it also could be Jack Hughes wants to wait it out and see what happens with the team, or who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll we'll see what happens, and we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. But going back to Jack Hughes in this year, look, he put on 20 pounds or whatever it was at the beginning of the year. We all called him Jack Hughes. We all said that this was going to be a great year. And from a point standpoint, I mean, it doesn't look like he had that phenomenal year. But clearly, he took at least two, maybe three steps uh, beyond where he had performed the year before, even playing in more games. I mean, he, all, he played in 50 games this year, and he played in something like 62, 63 last year. So you look at Jack Hughes and you say, you know, if he had had a full 82-game season, he could have been pushing 20 goals. I mean, that's – and that would have been a really good thing to see him do. And you saw as the year progressed, his talent just showed. At times, he was just the most talented player on the ice. The the moves that he would make. And some of the assists he actually got were great. Um, The best goal I saw from Jack Hughes was the one against the Penguins where he took a shot from a far angle that hit the side of the mask of Tristan Jari, I believe it was, and it went into the net. He went top shelf. It was the best goal I'd seen all season long. And throughout the year, Jack Hughes proved that not only was he the most valuable player this year, But I think honestly, and no disrespect to Nico Heesha, I think Jack Hughes is the most valuable player on this team right now. I think when you look at how young we are and look at the talent that we do have, I think Jack Hughes is the most talented player on this team. And I think he's the most valuable right now. And I think we really have to get him the support that he needs so that he can continue to develop and, and flourish and the rest of the team can start to really get going here on this rebuild because we want to see this team take bigger steps next year. We want to see this team compete and have meaningful games in late March, April timeframe in an 82 game season, trying to maybe possibly squeak in as a playoff team, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. All we can do as fans is just sit back and watch and see what happens. But for me, without a doubt, Jack Hughes most valuable player on the devils this year. Then the next award I have is the most improved player. And again, there were a handful of different guys I was thinking about. There's a handful of guys, even some rookies that you could honestly say were part of the most improved player category. But for me, and I think a lot of people would actually agree with this, the most improved player for the Devils this year was Pavel Zaka. I mean, if you look at how Zaka has performed since he came to the NHL and playing with the Devils four or five years ago, you know, he's always been considered somewhat of a bust because of where he was drafted and some of the other players that were taken after him, guys like Nico Rantanen and Matt Barzal to name just two. You know, it's it's been difficult to see how at times he's just really struggled to score goals and and be a major factor in games. And Zaka this year took it upon himself to really take that next step in his development. And he finished with a career high in goals, 17 goals, he had 18 assists for 35 points, which ended up leading the team in points. So he ended up being the team leader in points this year. He taught he was able to um, tie. Miles Wood for the team lead in goals, so that was pretty great. And I remember he had something like what was it, like an eight, nine, almost ten game point streak. I mean, he was really lighting it up at one point during the portion of this season. And he even finished the year on a high note. And I've mentioned it before, but I remember when Mark Recchi was hired by the Devils as an assistant coach, when he was talking about certain players that they really need to start getting going development wise, Pavel Zaka was the only one he mentioned by by name, because I think that the organization looks at Pavel Zaka and says this is a guy that we really want to see, you know, become the best player he can possibly be, regardless of what the expectations are. They just want to see that. And was Zaka a guy that was on the bubble when it came to whether he was going to be on the you know, unprotected list for the expansion draft? I think he was in my opinion. I think that had he not had a season like this, if he had another disappointing year, I think the Devils would have probably left him off. But I think because of how he performed this year, he made it pretty tough for the devils to, you know, not to, to keep him off that uh, protected uh, unprotected list. So I think he has a pretty good shot of being on that protected list, but you know, crazier things have happened. So we'll see what happens, but clearly Pavel Zaka had a career year. It was phenomenal. And if you look at it from an 82 game perspective, zaka would have finished certainly with 20 goals i think he would have finished with 25 26 goals i really do i think that he was on pace to do that i think there's a couple guys that were on pace to get to 25, and maybe if they really got on a hot streak maybe even pushing 30 uh, considering when you do it from a 52 game perspective and then you add on 30 more games you know i think it's pretty obvious that the stats would have looked a lot better but still 17 goals career high for him because i think it's original high was 13 so he clearly he blew past his career high and again he, he got better on the faceoff circle he became uh, an invaluable part to the power play I mean I know the power play wasn't great but I mean he did get a, a good amount of his points on the power play so that's there's something to be said for that but again I think that Pavel zaka was the most improved player in my eyes I'm very happy to see him get going here. And I hope he can build off of a year like this and only get better from here, because if he gets better, then just like I said before with Jack Hughes, the rest of the team will follow suit and our development of this entire team will just grow the way we need it to. So the next award that we have here is rookie of the year. And it's just funny because look, I mean, we had what, 10, 11 guys with that, that were rookies on this team. And we had them generate well over 100 points. I think we finished with 114, which is well the best, the, the most points by for a team um, with rookies that any team has had this year. I mean, it, and it's not a surprise. Like I said, you know, at one point, I mean, that's basically half of our team was just guys who, had, who were playing in the NHL for the first time. But there were a lot of guys as well to go through, but I don't think this should be much of a surprise. For me, rookie of the year is Yegor Sharangovich. When Sharon Govich was dominating, and I mean, we could say that very, very definitively, very confidently, he was dominating the KHL. He was top three in scoring in the KHL. He was really, really blossoming into a good player, and we were all excited to see him come in. And in just his second career NHL game, he gets his first NHL goal, and it's an overtime um, goal. and, And that was as dramatic of a way to get your first NHL goal as you could possibly can. And I'm sure Cole Caulfield can relate, even though... Both of his first two NHL goals were game winners in overtime. So, I mean, he does have that over Sharon Govich. But Sharon Govich, look, seven, you know, he had 16 goals, 14 assists, 30 points again. One of the one of only four players on the Devils to have 30 or more points this year. He finished fourth in points for rookies and he was top five in goals. I think he was tied for second place. So look, Sharon Govich is probably not going to win rookie of the year. That's going to, it's going to probably end up going to, you know, Kirill Kaprizov and understandably so he's been absolutely phenomenal this year since the, the year began. But I mean, Sharon Govich was probably out of all the rookies. I think he was the one that people didn't really expect to do the type of damage that he did. Now he did have some, you know, moments where he really just was struggling to get points. But you can look at the last seven, eight games of this year, and he was really on a roll. And I remember that second, to, that last game we played, or the second to last time we played, the Flyers, he got himself two goals and rang the rang the post and nearly got himself a hat trick uh, in that game. And he really just loves to score goals and put the puck on net, and I want to see more of that next year, and I'm excited he's actually going to be playing for Belarus in the IIHF world. So he'll have a chance to play some more hockey and get better and play on a world stage, which is great to see. And, you know, if Belarus makes the, the, um, the Olympics next year uh, for 2022, and the NHL does allow players to play, hopefully we'll get to see at least Sharon Govich go over and play in the Olympics. I mean, he probably won't be the only one, but you know, you get the point. But Sharon Govich was phenomenal. Sharon Govich, as we all basically started to call him, or yay, yay score Sharon Govich, as some people try. It's a little harder to say off the tongue, but still it's it's still a great nickname. And, yeah, he was he was really good this year, and he's going to finish as our top rookie points-wise and everything. Um, and it didn't matter who he was playing with. He seemed to do really well. And the thing that I loved the most about Sharon Govich was that there were so many times – where he was just skating down to the offensive side by himself. The team was making a change. And instead of just dumping it, like I've seen a lot of Devils players do over the last handful of years, he would just shoot the puck on net, knowing that most likely it was going to get saved. And maybe it wasn't even the greatest shot. But it's little things like that that it's like, okay, this guy clearly has a nose for the goal. He has the mindset to shoot. And that's what the Devils need to do. Let him continue to play that way because that's his strong suit. That's what makes him as good as he is. And if this guy gets a full year under his belt, like he's going to get, and if you really combine all the games he's played in the KHL, NHL, and then also playing in the Worlds, he will have played a full year of professional hockey, so to speak. And if he can build off of that going next year, it's going to be phenomenal. I mean, I think he secured himself as a top six winger, and it'll be interesting next season where the Devils see him. Do they see him as their top line left winger? Do they see him as a second line guy? It'll- it's really going to be intriguing. The combination and the chemistry between him, Jack Hughes, and Yanni Kulkanen, uh was really great the last eight to 10 games. They really seed the feed off each other. They got things going in a lot of these games. But yeah, Sharon Govich, without a doubt to me, was the best rookie of the many rookies that we have. And as a result, he wins the first ever rookie of the year trophy from the Devil state of mind. Now this is where I kind of started to get a little bit creative with some of these uh, different awards. Uh, the next one that we have here is the most surprising player. So it's relatively similar to most improved player because a lot of the time it's usually somebody that you don't expect to do a whole lot, but improve so much that he's a surprise. But I decided to make this two awards, and so we have most improved player, and then we have most surprising player. And for me, it's Miles Wood, finishing with. Again, tying with Pavel Zaka for the team leading goals with 17, he had just eight assists and finished with 25 points. I've said this several times, and I'll say it again. If you had told me at the beginning of the year that Miles Wood was going to finish as tied, or even for a while they were leading the team in goals, it would have been one of two things. One, that's, that's great for Miles Wood. Number two, what the hell is going on with the rest of the team? And look, it's no knock on Miles Wood at all. But when you look at Miles Wood and you look at the last couple of years, we've seen him as a really big energy guy. He's one of the fastest. He's clearly the fastest skater on Devils. I don't think there's any question about that. And he's very, very physical. We've always kind of seen him as a third, fourth line guy, and he was still pretty much that uh, this year. But for him to score the amount of goals that he scored as a third, fourth liner, an energy guy, is just a great thing. And again, he was probably another guy that was on the bubble when it came to whether he was going to be protected or unprotected for the expansion draft. I think he has solidified himself as being a guy that's going to get protected. I would be kind of surprised if he was left unprotected, but I'd have to look at the whole list to kind of, you know, basically describe that, to basically explain or understand why certain decisions were made. And Tom Fitzgerald said in his end of the season press conference that it's going to be very difficult over the next couple of weeks to really hamper down and really figure out which guys are going to stay or be protected and which guys are going to be left unprotected. And look, we're going to end up losing at least one player. I don't know if we're going to, if we can end up losing more than one, but we're going to end up losing somebody. And it and it may be somebody that we don't want to see go, but we may not have a choice depending on certain things, but we'll see. But I remember miles Wood at the beginning of the year saying, that it was time for him to really step up and mature as a leader on this team. And look, he was an alternate captain for a good majority of the year. He really stepped up at times as a leader and being just 25 years old, he he had to be like one of the, he was basically a veteran at this point because he's been with the devils for a while. And the other guys in this team were six, seven years younger than he is. So, I mean, he had to step up in that way and he stepped up, both on and off the ice, and again, I just didn't expect Miles Wood of all people to be the type of guy to be that guy that really, really stepped up in these type of games and scored as much as he did. So for that reason, Miles Wood gets my most surprising player award for this season. Now we'll shift to forward of the year, and I didn't really want to give it to anybody I have already mentioned because I kind of. I want to give a handful of different guys some awards. And there were some other guys. I mean, Jesper Bratt uh, finishing the season with 30 with thirty points. Again, the other of the four players that finished 30 points leading the team in assists. Oh, and mind you, he started the season late because of getting a work visa. Um, but actually, I'm going to give this award to Yanni Kwokinen. He finished with eight goals, 17 assists, tied with Miles Wood with 25 points points. Again, another guy that you could have put in there also for most surprising player, because again, Yanni Koukinen played the last, I think 11, 12 games of last year. He didn't get a point. Um, he had very little NHL experience at that point. We got him in that trade. If you remember, we traded Sami Vatanen to Carolina and got a pick as well as Yanni Koukinen. And this was this this was the first real good opportunity for Yanni Koukinen to play in the NHL. And I had a lot of Really high expectations because of what he had done with the Charlotte Checkers in the AHL, being one of the top, you know, goal scorers and point getters in the AHL, and then also continuing to put up good numbers with the Binghamton Devils when he played the majority of, la- of the end of the year with the Binghamton Devils. But he came into this year, got off to a slow start. But then again, so did a lot of guys and trying to, you know, learn how to play the NHL game. But once we got into the second half of the year, and especially after the trade deadline, Yanni Kwokinen really solidified himself as a really, really good third line, even pushing top six forward for us. And yeah, it would have been great to see him get to 10 goals, get a double-digit goals. But for him to get himself rolling there, if you project, you know, what his stats are, eight goals, 17 assists, if you add on 30 more games, I think he gets to – 15 goals, and I think he pushes getting to 40 points because I think he would have gotten a handful of more assists. So if you look at it, Yanni Quoken had himself a really good year. And again, because there were some, you know, I already named some other forwards on this team for other awards. I just wanted to give someone else that award. And for that reason, Yanni Koukanen gets forward of the year from us. Now let's go to defenseman of the year. And guys, let's be honest. The best defenseman on this team this entire year was rookie defenseman Ty Smith. Two goals, 21 assists, 23 points. He's going to finish, I think, in second place with the most assists, uh, the second most assists of any rookie in the NHL this year. Uh, He's top five in points as well, you know, along with Sharon Govich. And, yeah, I mean, look, Ty Smith was the only rookie that we had that I think everybody – Knew from the get-go that he was gonna he was gonna do well because if you look at the last couple of years, first year after he got drafted, he was the last guy to be cut from the Devils. Then the next year, you know, in training camp again, one of the one of the last guys to get cut had to go down and continue to dominate in the oh in in junior hockey basically, and then he comes to the Devils this year and finally we get to see him play and he scores in his first NHL game. It was a weird one, but hell will take it. Um, I think both of his goals actually this year were against the Bruins, so he really liked playing against the Bruins. But he had so many you know games this year where he was tremendous uh, both offensively and defensively. And look, he's young; he's going to make mistakes like all rookies do, and he's going to learn from that. And now that he's played, I guess you could say, somewhat of a full NHL season again—52 games, it's not really an NHL or 56 games. Excuse me, it's not a legit NHL season. It, it's still a good amount of production and it's great for Ty Smith to see him do well. And look, he's our number one defenseman of the future. He's a guy that if we have the hope that one day we could have a Norris trophy winning defenseman, it would probably end up being Ty Smith. Uh, We can only hope. Um, But he was really great this year. Um, He, he played in almost every single game. He missed the last couple of games doing an injury. And unfortunately that prevents him from playing for team Canada in the IIHF Worlds, uh, Kevin Ball as well will not be playing anymore because he got hurt with the Binghamton Devils earlier this week. So that's unfortunate. And speaking really quick of the Binghamton Devils, they actually just won their final game of the year in a shootout against, I think, the Wilkes-Barre Penguins. So the Binghamton Devils win their final game as the Binghamton Devils. And like we mentioned before, they will be going to Utica next year and become the Utica Comets um, or just become the new Utica Comets. So to speak, but going back to Ty Smith, yeah, he was, he was really great this year. I think this was a really good first year for him, and all of us are going to be super excited to see how much better he can get next year and the type of leadership role. Again, just being a second year player, that he's going to take on. And again, he's one of those guys that you know Tom Fitzgerald said we got to build the team around. And you know, when it comes to the defense, because we really need to work on the defense, he's the first. You know, he's the first building block. We'll see what else the Devils can do to improve that moving forward. But Ty Smith is going to be the defenseman of the year uh, for the devil's state of mind awards. And now we go to our final award. And this is my personal favorite, the backup goalie of the year. Now I could have gone with goalie of the year, but it was pretty obvious. It's going to be Mackenzie Blackwood, but I thought it'd be more interesting to do backup goalie of the year, because let's face it. We had a handful of different guys playing this year. We had, four guys play at least one game for us this year. And the backup goalie of the year that I'm actually going to give is probably a surprise to everybody. And it's a guy who played one game with the New Jersey Devils. And that is Eric Comrie. Now, look, before you guys give me a lot of crap and everything, look, Scott Wedgwood had a couple really good games. He got a couple of shutouts. He shut out the Bruins in Boston, which is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, and he was... He was solid, but again, he showed himself as not really a backup goaltender, but certainly as that third goaltender, which was the expectation for him when he got here, but because of Corey Crawford retiring before the season started, he kind of had to become the backup. Um, but the reason that I put Eric Comrie is because, number one, uh, it, it's my award show and I can do what I want. Um, number two, I just think it's kind of a, a, a fun thing when you think about it. Like, first of all, he's the only goaltender on this team to have a 100% um, or a 1000% winning percentage. Uh, he want, He gave up three goals in an overtime uh, win against the Buffalo Sabres. Back, this was the final game before he went on that 16 day hiatus because of our COVID outbreak. And, you know, he came off of waivers from Winnipeg. And from what Jets fans were saying, this has become a routine the last couple of years that they really like Comrie, but they always have to put him on waivers because they don't really want to. They, they like him, but they don't, you know, he's like almost like they're really emergency goaltender basically. Um, but he ended up getting picked up by us. He played for, he played one game. I think he was with the team for like maybe a couple of weeks and then he was put on waivers again. And, and that was actually because we ended up getting Aaron Dell off waivers from the Maple Leafs and Comrie got off waivers and ended up getting picked up again by the Winnipeg Jets. So he actually finished the year with the Winnipeg Jets. He's actually the Phil Masterton nominee for the Winnipeg Jets. So congratulations to Eric Comrie. But he played one game with the Devils this year and got a win. So for that reason, the first ever Devil's State of Mind podcast uh, award for Backup Goalie of the Year goes to number one, Eric Comrie. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the first edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast awards so let me know what you guys think um on twitter at double state or on instagram at double state of mind what you think do you agree do you disagree whatever just let me know i'd love to hear from you guys i'd love to interact with you guys but that are my awards for the 2020 season and now let's shift to the second part of the double state of mind podcast episode here today We are going to be previewing the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. So again, for the third straight year, the Devils are not in the playoffs. So once again, I don't really, it's not that I don't care. It's just that it's harder to watch when your team's not in it. But I mean, look, we're going to have exciting playoffs regardless of who's in it. There's no question. And look, I know that I'm recording this also after a couple of games have already happened, but it doesn't matter what happened in these games because it's not going to change my prediction because I'm just going to stick by my prediction. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And that's, that's just what it is. And uh, I was on the Bottom Line podcast. Uh, my good friend Jimmy Finissi is the host of that. Uh, we had the Slapshot Sweethearts, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard. Uh, we had them on and we gave our previews there. And I'm going to give you my previews now. Now, I know some podcasts have done like just the first round and I know how hard it is. To make predictions for the full playoffs, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I think it's gonna be fun. Um, and we'll talk about. I mean, I'm not really gonna make any more predictions. I mean, I guess I'll make predictions for every round anyway. Um, as we get as we move along in the playoffs, we'll we'll do that. We'll just mention it. Um, but I'm gonna make my full predictions now, and I'm going to explain why. So let's jump into it, and let's start with Toronto versus Montreal and this is i mean i said this before and i'll say to you guys now that to me this is the most interesting series because you have two original six franchises you know you have quebec french you know canada versus you know english canada you have two great rivalry you have a great rivalry two great rivals and they've been battling out all year anyway cuz you know they played only against canadian teams all year and look The Maple Leafs, like they've had the last couple of years, have some of the biggest pressure of any team going into the postseason. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. I mean, last year they lost in the play-in round to the Columbus Blue Jackets at home, you know, in their own stadium. And that must have been very difficult, must have been a tough pill to swallow. But I think this is going to be a really good series. Montreal has proven to be a very, very gritty team to play against. They proved a lot last year in the playoffs. They proved this year that it's not a fluke. They're a team on the rise. Um, But at the end of the day, I still have Toronto moving on and winning that series. I have them winning in seven, though. It's going to be a back-and-forth series. Toronto's not going to have a cakewalk here. It's going to be tough. And the Maple Leafs have to exercise every single demon they possibly can in order to really get to the ultimate goal, which is to finally lift the Stanley Cup for the first time in over 50 years. And I think that they're going to win this series, but it's going to end up being in seven. So give me the Maple Leafs to beat the Canadians in seven games. Now, Edmonton versus Winnipeg. You know, Edmonton's obviously rolling and, you know, look, Connor McDavid over a hundred points in 50 games. I mean, it's phenomenal. He's one of the greatest hockey players in this generation. I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, he's clearly going to take over for Ovechkin and Crosby as the best player in the NHL. I don't think there's any debate on that. And Leon Dreisettle has, you know, become a phenomenal player in his own right with the things that he does. But I mean, I know the Jets really had a struggle and they have really, you know, had stretches where they've really, really stunk out of the joint. And look, they traded Patrick Laine, um earlier this year to get Pierre um, Edward Dubois at one point. Um, and they still kind of were struggling, but I can't trust the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. They've proven time and time again that they cannot be trusted. And for that reason, I have the Jets winning this series in six. I think that the Jets are going to find a way to win one of the two games in Edmonton to start and they're going to get some momentum going from there and they're going to find a way to win this series. And it's really going to be a a difficult thing because look, Edmonton has two great players, McDavid and Dreisaitl. After that, what do they have? Do they have a really good team? No. So the thing is, is that if those two guys are not rolling, if Dreisaitl and McDavid are struggling, the Jets, it's its easy for them. They're the better team. They have a better team overall than the Edmonton Oilers, in my opinion. And I know everybody wants to pick the Oilers so that we can have Edmonton versus Toronto in the North Division final, but I can't see it happening. I think that the Jets are going to pull up a stunning victory and they're going to find a way to win this series. So give me the Winnipeg Jets to win the that series and move on to the next round against Toronto. And we'll stay in the North Division to kind of wrap it up really quick. Toronto versus Winnipeg. Give me Toronto to win that series. I think that when you look at the matchups, I think, I mean, I think Toronto would have a good matchup regardless of whether they play the Oilers or the Jets, but certainly if they play the Jets, they have a better shot of doing it. I think that they have a better team overall than the Jets. And I think that if they're if Maple if the Maple Leafs are able to get over the hump of just beating one of their biggest rivals, I think that they can. From there, they could gain some momentum. So I have the Maple Leafs winning that series against Winnipeg in six games. It's going to be tough. You know the Maple Leafs are going to have some lapses. Do not get me wrong, but I think they're going to end up winning that. So I have the Toronto Maple Leafs at the end of the day finishing as the winner of the North Division and moving on to the Final Four. So now let's go to the Central Division. Here is the series that I think, and this is no disrespect to both teams. It's just there isn't as much intrigue in it as maybe you would expect, but you look at it, Carolina versus Nashville, Carolina, one of the bigger surprises of the year, finishing number one seed in the, in the central division. And they really, I mean, they almost lost it at the end there to Florida, but they really did a a really good job of finishing strong down the stretch. I'm going to make this really short Um, Carolina in four, uh, number one, yes, I have a personal vendetta against the head coach of the Nashville Predators, um, he who shall not be named. Um, and I just don't think Nashville is really honestly that good. I think they just – look, they they got on a hot streak at the end of the year to prevent Dallas from overtaking them. So they were pretty lucky to get in at the end of the day. And I think Carolina is just a much better team, and I think they're going to prove it right from the get-go. And Rob moore has got that team playing so well and has such a great system where they're super disciplined – And I think Nashville is just really going to struggle. unless Soros has a couple of really phenomenal games, which he's capable of doing, but I just, I don't see it. So for that reason, give me Carolina to sweep the Nashville Predators in four straight. And then we have the Battle of Florida. The Florida Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Look, this has been a physical, rough and tough series all year long. And this was brewing. I mean, we've had a couple of good fights. We have a couple of of big-time hits. And it's going to be a really, really back-and-forth series. And Florida, without a doubt, the biggest surprise of the NHL with the things that they've been able to do. I mean, you have some really interesting storylines. I mean, they have Dreiger and Spencer Nightingale. Oh, and they they have Sergei Bobrovsky. But, I mean, he's become an afterthought, even though they've spent $9 million per year on him, which – I mean, I'm sure the Panthers are regretting that now, but maybe Brodsky can really turn it on in the playoffs. Um, And, you know, they have two of the most underrated players in the NHL, in my opinion. They have, you know, Jonathan Huberdell and Alexander Barkov. I mean, those guys are really, really underrated, in my opinion. And they brought in, you know, Sam Bennett in a trade, uh, which was great. They brought in Brandon Montour in a trade, another trade. They brought in former devil Nikita Gusev. Um, on a veteran's minimum contract for the rest of the year after the Devils, um, you know, cut, basically cut Nikita Gusev. And he seems to have found his form a little bit again, which is obviously frustrating for Devils fans, but obviously good for Florida. And you got, you know, you got a really good team all together. And it's really going to be, it's going to be really tough for Tampa. But look, I mean, Tampa's a defending Stanley Cup champions. Another former Devil, Blake Coleman, uh, who has been really good this year. Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov are going to be available uh, when the playoffs start, so that's great. You still have Braden Point, who was off the wall, amazing last year, and is probably going to be a big thing this year. You have some really good defensemen: Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev, and you got arguably the best goaltender in the NHL right now, in Andre Vasilevsky. But, but. Give me the Florida Panthers to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in seven games. I think that people are still sleeping on Florida, and I think they're going to be one of the bigger surprises, not just where they clearly were in the regular season, but I think they're going to really surprise some people in the playoffs. And so we have the top two seeds in this division, Carolina and Florida, facing off in the Central Division Final. And I have Florida beating Carolina in six games in the in the central division final and moving on to the top four yeah I I just think that when you look at Florida they're a little bit more deep uh with their team not saying Florida not saying Carolina isn't but I just I just think that you know when you look at it if Florida comes into the series having beaten the defending Stanley Cup champions and doing the things that they're doing they're going to be riding on a lot of momentum a lot of high and look Carolina's especially if it goes the way that I'm predicting they're sitting around for a while, you know, waiting for Florida and Tampa to finish their series. And, you know, they're going to be rested. Yes. But they're also going to be you know, kind of out of sync a little bit. And I think it's going to take them a while to get going. And I think Florida's just got a couple, you know, tricks up their sleeve to really get some big time goals. And I just, I like Florida going to the conference or not really the, the final four, so to speak of the Stanley cup playoffs. So like I said, give me Carolina to sweep Nashville in four, give me Florida to beat the lightning in seven games, and then give me the Florida Panthers beating Carolina in the central division final and moving on to the final four to face the Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe, or they're actually going to do the tough. four. See, I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. Cause I know I'm wrong, but now let's shift over to the other side of the bracket, the East division. Look, I know some people will disagree, but again, I I do really believe that the East division is the best division of the four. Uh, You look at the handful of teams that even missed out on the playoffs. I mean, look at Philadelphia and the Rangers, you know, they had some moments where they really could have been getting going, but they, they finished out of it. Uh, And the top four teams are probably the teams that I think most of us expected to be here. Honestly, I think when you look at it, so it's not a, it's not a big surprise to me, but I think, where the teams finished was kind of a surprise. I mean, the first series you have Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. I would have probably expected it to be flipped where the Islanders were the one seed because of the way they were playing for the three quarters of this year, and then Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh, man, facing so many injuries, they just really played good hockey all year long. Sydney Crosby looked like the Sydney Crosby of old, not a surprise. And of Guinea Molkin, I mean, hell, he didn't even play today in game one. So again. It's still really remarkable what they've been able to do. And this is a Pittsburgh team that is peaking at the right time and should be a big-time force in the playoffs if they're able to at least get out of the first round, which it's going to be a tough series against a low-scoring, physical, defensive-minded Islander squad. And they got arguably one of the best goaltending tandems in the league, Semyon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin. And actually, Sorokin had to play today because Varlamov was hurt. Um, so actually Corey Schneider of all people got to suit up he hadn't played all year long. Um, but this was the first time I kind of saw him in an Islander uniform and it just didn't look right. And you had Kyle Palmieri, uh, playing Andy Green was playing, uh, Travis Ajak ended up being a healthy scratch, kind of not really surprised by that, honestly. Um, but in this series, despite the fact that yes, the Islanders did win today. They won Game One in overtime. And yes, I know Kyle Palmieri scored not one but two goals, including the game winner in overtime to win Game One. I have the Pittsburgh Penguins winning in five. So, I mean, I guess at this point, I would basically say that was the Islanders' only win. But again, uh, the the reason I say that is because the the goal scoring consist, you know, the inconsistency of the goal scoring from the Islanders is what's concerning to me. And I know their system is great for playoff hockey. It really is. It really is. But at some point you do have to score. And I think losing Anders Lee was a big, was a big frustrating thing. And Paul Mary struggled throughout the majority of the time so far. He's been with the Islanders, but he had a hell of a game today. And if he gets going like this, I think he's going to really turn around this series and really, really put it in the favor of the Islanders. And I mean, hell, they've already gotten mission complete. They won one of the two games of Pittsburgh and now they could try to get greedy and if they go back to the Island for the next two games, the Coliseum being up 2-0, it might be game over for Pittsburgh, but we'll see how they respond tomorrow, I believe, uh, or Monday uh, for game two. But I do have Pittsburgh winning the series in five games because I think at the end of the day, the Penguins are going to find a way to really get things going like they did in the the regular season for the most part. They're going to find a way to to win. And Plus, if they get Malkin back and he's healthy and ready to go, it's just going to make things tougher on the Islanders' team. But the honors one win this series wouldn't be surprised either because of how they prepare themselves to play playoff hockey. And the other series in the East, you have the Washington Capitals against the Boston Bruins a really, really good matchup. Don't get me wrong. Two teams that are very evenly matched. Um, you know, it was really crazy with Washington. They won the first game last night in overtime. Uh, Vanacek got hurt. Uh, and so Craig Anderson, who the last time he played in the playoffs was with Ottawa a couple of years ago. Um, came in and actually got himself the victory, which was a big one. Um, you know, it, it's their, their goaltending is definitely going to be something that they're going to be looking to. Obviously, Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, TJ Oshie, Tom Wilson, who you know of course scored the first goal of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, considering he's been the biggest uh, news thing this entire last two weeks, basically, um, you know it is what it is. And then you look at Boston; they got the perfection line: Pasternak, Bergeron. Marshan. They got Taylor Hall now, David Krejci. I mean, they have a very deep team. um, And I think that they're going to end up pulling off the upset. I think they're going to find a way they're going to have to win at least one game in DC. Maybe they'll find a way to win game two. Um, And I have them winning in six games. I think that they're a little bit better of a team. I'm kind of concerned at how Washington finished the year. Um, But I mean, hell again, I could be totally wrong about this, but for that, but I, I really am concerned about how they're finishing the year. And if they play, if they play like they played last night, they will win the series, Washington. But if they play like they played in the last handful of games at the end of the season, Boston's got it going, and it's really going to be about Tuka Rask. Can he really get himself going in the playoffs? Um, and can he remain focused? We'll see. But I do have Boston winning this series in six games. So Pittsburgh in five, Boston in six. And then when you go to the East division final, give me the Boston Bruins to beat the Penguins in six games. I think when you look at those two teams, again, relatively even matchup, but I think the Bruins are just a little bit deeper. You look at the motivation that they have. They want to try to, you know, forget about losing the cup final a couple of years ago and and kind of underperforming last year in the bubble. They really have to, you know, they're under some pressure as well to try to win a cup with this core. And so they're going to try everything they can to get it going. And I think adding Taylor Hall just adds a little bit more scoring for them, especially because he really seems to have found his game again. Um, and I just think deep, you know, depth wise, because I think depth is such an important thing in the playoffs. I think it's that. And also when you look at the goaltending, yeah, Tristan Jari, I mean, he hasn't been that good this year and neither has Casey Desmith. Um, and I think TuKarask I mean, obviously to Rask is better. And I think if he remains focused, um, It doesn't let too many distractions bug him. I think he should be fine. Um, So I have Boston doing that. So like I said, give me the Penguins to beat the Islanders in five, the Bruins to beat Washington in six, and then the Bruins beating Pittsburgh in six to advance to the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And now we'll shift to the final division that we haven't covered yet. The West division, again, another very, very tough division. And it was exciting even to the last game of the regular season to see who was going to be one? Who was going to be two, three, and four? I mean, it wasn't a guarantee like some of these other divisions were. So the first series we have is Colorado versus St. Louis. Colorado just squeaking past Vegas for the number one seed. I think also President's Trophy. I could be wrong about that. I think actually it is President's Trophy. They did win the President's Trophy, but who really cares? That trophy means nothing to most fans. Um, yeah, look, St. Louis, um, Jordan Bennington. If he can perform like he performed two years ago, then St. Louis is going to pull off the upset. And I mean, hell, Ryan O'Reilly, the captain of the Blues, j- basically guaranteed that the Blues were going to beat the, the avalanche in the playoffs. So we'll see if he can deliver on that, kind of a Marc Messier type of thing, but a little bit more difficult than just winning one game. In Colorado, I mean, look, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog, Kale McCarr, um, you know, Devontae's, Philip Grubauer, they have a very, very good team, a very hungry team, a team that also is going to be having some difficulties with the salary cap like a lot of us, like a lot of teams uh, during this offseason. So they really have to try to make a run at it this year. They're going to be – they're one of the top cup contenders going into the playoffs. They're really, really rolling. And if they can get everything working cohesively, they're going to be one tough burgundy uh, machine to stop. Uh, But I – and to be honest with you, I just don't see St. Louis – They kind of limped into the playoffs. Uh, Didn't really seem like from some Blues fans' perspectives that they were thrilled to be in the playoffs. I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago, they were just trying to finish the year. You know, they weren't really worried about the playoffs, but they got on a hot streak at the end of the year. And that could be a good thing going into the postseason. But I do have Colorado winning this series. I have them beating the Blues in five games. And then you have the, the series that I actually just finished watching like an hour ago. Um, with Minnesota winning the first game in overtime, the Vegas Golden Knights against the Minnesota Wild. I mean, Vegas, out of all the teams for them to face um, in the first round of the playoffs, the, if you were to ask Vegas fans, the one team they didn't want to face in the first round or at all in the playoffs was Minnesota Wild. The Vegas Golden Knights won one regulation game against Minnesota all year long. Minnesota has had their number. I mean, they just showed it again by winning one nothing in overtime earlier today about an hour ago um and stealing a game on the road and the biggest thing for Vegas is simply this and I talked about it on the bottom line podcast they have one maybe two they have this year and maybe next year to win a cup before they have to really start moving some of these guys you know guys like Pacioretty, Marcia So maybe even Flurry. I, I don't know um Mark Stone maybe they they have to start breaking up the score because they have to start actually considering making their first rebuild of their existence. Cause I mean, look, they've made the playoffs every year that they've been, they lost in the Stanley cup finals, their first year lost in the first round last year, lost in the conference finals last year to Dallas. Um, this is one of those years where it's like, Hey man, they really, really do have to get going. They have to go far into the playoffs and they put up nearly 50 shots today and did not score once. And that's a concerning thing. Cause that's what ended up being the downfall for them last year. They couldn't score. They couldn't score enough, and they have all that talent. They have such a really talented team, but you don't win a Stanley Cup on just talent alone, and it's really going to be difficult. And Minnesota is such a tough defensive team. They're just such a tough defensive team. They, they grind it out. They have some really talented scorers, Kirill Kaprizov, Kirill the Thrill, as everyone calls him, Kevin Fiala, again, one of the, one of the many underrated players, and Joel Eriksson-Eck, who scored the game winner here tonight against Vegas, like one of the top five most underrated players in the NHL and one of the best two way forwards in the game. They don't talk about him enough because he plays for a small market like the wild, but you look at what Billy Garrett has done with this wild team in just a short time, making the playoffs last year, you know, adding goal scoring this year and Kirill Kaprizov and doing the things that they're doing. I mean, it's just been phenomenal for them and they stole a game already and Vegas is in trouble and they got to find a way to win game two and, and restore a little bit of order. Um, I actually though, have Vegas winning this series in seven games. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind the entire time. It is not going to be a cakewalk for Vegas because this is the, the team, the one team they didn't want to face because of how successful Minnesota has been all year long. And again, they won the first game in Vegas with that raucous crowd. I mean, it, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow. Vegas didn't even score. So it's going to be interesting going into game two, what changes Pete DeBoer ends up doing uh, to get things going for Vegas offensively. But I still believe that Vegas will find a way to win this series. And I have them winning in seven. And, and look, if I, you know, it could very well be Minnesota. And if it is, I mean, I'd be jumping on the Minnesota wild bandwagon. Uh, Minnesota actually has a former New Jersey Devil, uh, Marcus Johansson, who nearly scored the game-winner in overtime. And it would have been such a gut punch to have more than one devil, former devil, score a game-winner in the playoffs this year. And I'm really getting tired of seeing former devils have so much success in the playoffs without being on the devils. It's hopefully, hopefully in the near future, we start seeing the devils doing that type of stuff to other teams, but we'll see what happens. But again, To recap the West uh, first round, Colorado I have winning in five against St. Louis, and then I have Vegas beating the Minnesota Wild in seven games. Um, So then you go to the West Division Final, the matchup we've all wanted to see Vegas versus Colorado. I have the Vegas Golden Knights winning that series in seven games. I think that Marc Andre Fleury is going to have to steal a game or two on his own. He's done it before. 15 consecutive years, he's played the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And he's a big-time, you know, big-money goaltender, and he's going to be on top of his game. He was on top of his game today. It, you know, it, the goal that Eric's next score hit off a skate and went in, it wasn't his fault. He did everything he possibly could. Um, but I think Vegas will eventually get their offense rolling with the talent that they have, especially if they got Max Pacioretty back relatively soon. Um, and if they do have to face, uh, Colorado, I think that they will be able to beat them. It's going to be another grinded out series back and forth. It's going to be exciting. Maybe the best series of the entire playoffs, but I do have Vegas beating the Colorado Avalanche in seven games to move on to the final four. So now we move on to the final four. We have the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Boston Bruins, the Florida Panthers, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, in this situation, I believe it would be Toronto facing, I want to say it's Florida. Yeah, it would be Toronto versus Florida and then Vegas versus Boston. And so with Toronto and Florida, give me the Maple Leafs to win in seven games. I really think that that's going to be a, another tough series for Toronto. It's going to be, you know, facing a surprising younger, you know, well, young-ish hockey team with an experienced head coach and Joel Quenville has won a couple Stanley Cups. It's going to be difficult. And like I said, the Maple Leafs got to do everything they haven't been able to do before, you know, come through in the clutch when it matters most in order to get to where they want to go. And I think that they will be able to prevail this time and they will be able to win it. So give me the Maple Leafs to beat the Florida Panthers in seven games to move on to the Stanley Cup finals. And then with Boston and Vegas, give me the Vegas Golden Knights to win it six games. I think that If Vegas gets themselves past Colorado, even though, again, it'll be seven games, they will play the maximum 14 games that they can play, they might be tired, but they're going to be very determined. Again, another franchise with such huge expectations to go and win the Stanley Cup this year, I think that they're going to be able to do it. I think that they're going to ride that momentum, and they're going to play a Boston team that's going to be tough, and it's going to come down to Vegas just having to win at least one game in Boston. I think that they will be able to do that. And Flurry versus tukarask in the postseason is going to be a great show to see if we get to that point. But I think Flurry's is just a little bit better considering how he's been performing consistently since the season began. So give me Vegas to beat Boston at six games. And so we get to the Stanley Cup finals between two teams with arguably the highest expectations and pressure of any teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. The Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Folks, I believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs will win the Stanley Cup versus Vegas in seven games. Yes, you heard me right, seven games. And they will and they will finally win their first Stanley Cup in over half a decade, half a century. And they will end up, I guess, because they did like, you know, how many goals will be stor- scored in the Stanley Cup finals? It's going to be pretty high scoring, in my opinion, with the two high octane offenses. I have it in total 46 goals and the con smite trophy winner. This is going to be interesting. I think it will end up being Frederick Anderson. Now I know it sounds ridiculous because Frederick Anderson's not even healthy to play in the first game of the playoffs, but I think eventually they will go back to him. He will be healthy to go and you need your goaltender to step up to win a Stanley cup. And I think he's going to be that guy. I think he's going to be the, the main guy that propels Toronto to win the cup, because I think when you look at it and you look at how teams win Stanley cups, it's not just about the talent they have offensively, but it's specifically when you get into those low scoring games, your defense, particularly your goaltending is going to have to be strong. And I think Frederick Anderson in a year where, you know, look, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, unless the Maple Leafs keep him. Maple Leafs fans for the last several years have been, you know, calling for him to be let go, to be traded, whatever. And he has a lot to prove for himself, uh, to the organization, you know, going into the future. And I think Freddie Anderson is built for this. I think he's ready to go to really step up to be the goaltender that the Maple Leafs got, you know, four or five years ago. I think that this is that moment for him. So give me the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the 2021 Stanley Cup versus the Vegas Golden Knights in seven games to win their first Stanley Cup in over 50 years. And give me Frederick Anderson to win the Consmite Trophy as playoff MVP with a total of 46 goals being scored in all of the Stanley Cup Finals. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my The Devil State of Mind podcast 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs prediction. Just like with the awards, let me know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Probably most of you will disagree with me, but you know what? In another crazy year where so many crazy things have happened and we've had the first time for everything, like Tampa finally getting over the hump last year, I think we'll have something similar to that this year. So let me know on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devils State of Mind. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devils State of Mind and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, pod N-E-T, net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. again. New videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is JETS pain, 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 the agony and the ecstasy. Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything we could think of it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled, Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Painted Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Piano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day. You know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!